Greetings and welcome to this episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series. Podcast episodes are available on many popular podcast hosting sites, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blueberry, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and at www.vhha.com. You can also hear episodes of the podcast each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, and 820 a.m. across Central Virginia. Please send any questions, comments, or feedback to pcfpodcast at vhha.com. Again, that's pcfpodcast at vhha.com. And with that, today we're pleased to be joined by two physicians, Dr. Ebony Jade Hilton and Dr. Leanne Webb. They're professors at UVA, and they're here to discuss their award-winning ebook that can help parents explain the disruptive COVID-19 situation to children, and the book offers helpful tips about staying active and healthy during these times. You can find them on Twitter at at Ebony Jade Hilton and at Lee Webb, and that's L-E-I-G-H, Lee Webb underscore M-D. And with that, welcome to the program, Dr. Hilton and Dr. Webb. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Absolutely. It's our pleasure, and we appreciate you making a few moments for us. So as we mentioned, Dr. Webb and Dr. Hilton created a book whose title is We're Going to Be Okay. And this book is an ebook to help educate children, particularly youngsters in vulnerable communities, about healthy ways to cope with the unsettling effects of the coronavirus pandemic on everyday life. The book was one of four to earn honorable mention recognition in the Emory University Global Health Institute's COVID-19 Children's Ebook Competition. And in reading the book, I must tell you, I was struck by a few things. One is its charming accessibility for young readers by relating the story of a youngster whose well-laid plans to share a science experiment with classmates for show and tell are upended when school's canceled because of the coronavirus. The other things that I think are important to note about the book are the presentation of the main characters as a professional family of color, perhaps inspired by the lived experience of our guests, as well as the important tips it offers about staying safe, being healthy, and helping others and the interactive features that include printable pages for young readers to write about their feelings and to ponder the unique opportunities the shutdown presents, like wearing a Halloween costume just for the fun of it. And so with that brief overview, Dr. Hilton, if you could please take it from there and tell us about how this project came to be and the inspiration for it. Yeah, so thank you again for having us. This project actually was sparked, oddly enough, a Twitter post. There was a member on my Twitter feed that said, they knew that I already completed a couple of children's books myself and that Dr. Webb and myself had already done a couple of different um, initiatives that were looking at community engagement and community empowerment around COVID-19 awareness. And so they said, hey, since you already write children's books and since you're so much an advocate for bringing awareness to COVID-19, would you be interested in doing and entering into this contest that Emory Global Health Institute was hosting? And so I wrote Dr. Webb and her sister-in-law, actually, Ashley Corinne Webb, and said, we've done a project already with Staying Alive that's talking to adults about how to navigate this world of COVID. So do you guys want to tackle this children's book? And we have 10 days to complete it. <laughs> and they said yes. And so here we are. Well, that's pretty swift work for 10 days time. And you mentioned Staying Alive, and that actually is a great segue to the next question. We're going to be okay. This ebook focuses on a family of color Staying Alive, which you just mentioned, Dr. Hilton, is something that you partnered on in recent months to share educational materials about coronavirus safety. And that was a brochure that was specifically targeted for African-American families. And so I wonder, Dr. Webb, if you could discuss the importance of representation in messaging targeted to communities of color, given what we know about legacy health disparities and outcomes for people in communities of color, whether it's the COVID-19 pandemic or chronic conditions like heart disease and diabetes. 
Yeah, so I think it's really important to have communication and messaging that reaches everyone and particularly people who are in vulnerable communities. And if that means that you know, in COVID-19 in particular, that you know our communities of color are particularly more vulnerable, meaning black and brown communities, then that's that. If you're talking about people who are deaf and hard of hearing who are more vulnerable because they can't get public health messaging, there needs to be things that are targeted to them as well. So it's not only race or socioeconomic status, but other things as well that we all need to think about as public health educators and providers of health in general. But certainly with the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as other health disparities, we as I'm African-American, so we are disproportionately represented. And that is one of the things that drove me with the Stand Alive initiative to bring together both Dr. Hilton and my sister-in-law, Ashley Webb, to sort of make something with targeted messaging for African-American communities and other communities of color. However, the messaging itself, the educational piece, is really the same for everyone. So what we've seen with the flyer, as well as with the book, is that everyone can enjoy it. With the book, it's adult and it's children. And with the flyer, it's communities of color and just communities in general because it's good public health messaging. That's a great point about the universality of the message. Dr. Hilton, first, I'd like to know where people can find these two publications, the ebook, We're Going to Be Okay and Staying Alive. Is there a link or a URL that you can direct people online if they want to check them out? And then as a follow-up, when we discuss legacy disparities, I wonder what your thoughts are about the growing focus on population health initiatives and the role of social factors in health outcomes. Here at the association, we've been deeply engaged in the statewide Partnering for Healthy Virginia initiative the targeted hospital-based violence intervention program and efforts to eliminate disparities in maternal mortality. So I want to know what potential you see in those approaches and how do we advance that focus into tangible action? Right. So great questions. For one, myself and Dr. Webb, we both have our own standing independent company. Mine is called the Good Stock Consulting. is a medical consulting firm. So you can go to goodstockconsulting.com and actually look under the resource tab. And we have not only this book, but other resources that we've had translate into Spanish as well for adults and kids alike. The same with Dr. Webb. She has the Get Well Company, of which she can you know, vouch for herself, but the Get Well Company, which is also a consulting firm. And our companies, what we are both passionate about is tackling these racial health disparities. What we know for sure is that racial health disparities, they didn't start with COVID-19. They won't end with COVID-19. And when we're thinking about the racial disparities, what I always like to say is those are symptoms of a deeper disease process. And because they all share the same vein, the, the disease process ends up being systemic racism. And so what we have to do is take a deep dive and look at how policies across the board contribute to whether or not someone grows up in a situation in which they're going to be more prone to these diseases. For instance, with hypertension and diabetes, if you're living in a neighborhood due to redlining that has less access to healthy food eateries and less access to sidewalks within your community, can you eat healthy? Can you be active? If we're even talking about the impact that education has on wealth attainment, right? We know that educational attainment usually leads to higher income levels, although there is a disparity there where we still have a wealth gap and an income gap along racial lines. But that being the case, as you attain more degrees, you tend to have more income, which leads to more access to insurance, better access to preventative measures, right? Because you can afford that copay. And so, we're seeing that these racial systems or systemic racism plays a part in a negative way of targeted communities that tend to be black, brown, and lower socioeconomic status communities. And therefore, we see that African Americans and Hispanic Americans in general 
have higher death rates for 8 of the 13 leading causes of death. And that's including maternal infant mortality. That's including cardiovascular, neurovascular insults. That's, that's including cancer mortality, right? So what we have to do is figure out how can we not just put a Band-Aid on COVID-19, but actually address every factor that leads to whether or not someone is more likely to live or die at the end of this. Thanks for those observations. And Dr. Webb, my next question is for you, but I don't want to leave you out if you had anything to add on that previous question. No, I think Dr. Hilton does an amazing job speaking on this issue. The only thing I would add is that with my website, thegetwellcompany.com, you can also look under the Community Resources tab, and you'll see some similarities and crossover between Goodstock and the Get Well Company in terms of the community outreach that we've done together, but you can find it there as well. I agree with Ebony. This is something that we can't put a Band-Aid over. This is something that we need to address head on. And most physicians are aware that health disparities have existed long before COVID-19. This is just sort of exposing the fault lines of our health system and systemic racism that's been in our society ever since our society honestly has existed. And certainly since 1619, when slaves were first brought to the shores of Virginia. And it's a problem that many people have been working on for a very long time very complex problem, but it can start with some simple solutions. And so myself and Dr. Hilton have been working on some of those. Well, thanks for sharing that perspective. And as you both say, these issues are under a microscope right now. And so I think we all share a hope that there's more than just inspection of these issues. There's actually action on these issues. To the next question, and again, I mentioned this is for Dr. Webb. And Dr. Webb, I don't want to take any of the spotlight off you, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention that your husband, Dr. Cameron Webb, is one of four candidates seeking the Democratic nomination for the 5th Congressional District seat in a district that stretches from Central Virginia all the way into Southside Virginia. He's the only medical Mm -hmm. professional in the field with three other candidates who are touting their respective military backgrounds. And he's actually someone, in the name of full disclosure, I've wanted to have on this podcast for a while now, even before he declared his candidacy. For context, we're recording this episode on June 22nd, and tomorrow, June 23rd, is the primary election in that contest. The Republican nominee was chosen in a party convention earlier this month that resulted in the sitting congressman losing the nomination to a challenger who is to the right of him politically. And so with that set up, Dr. Webb, I wonder what's the experience been like for your family with two working physicians, sometimes on shift duty, the demands of campaigning, which are substantial, and balancing family life and children. How are you guys making all that work? It's been hard. I can't sugarcoat it. No one can even imagine it in a sugarcoated light. It's been really hard. But we both worked in this space. We've both worked in the medical space, honestly, for a really long time. He's also, you know, gone to law school and done these other things. I have two degrees. So there's actually never been a time in our 11-year marriage that someone, at least one person, wasn't working at least 80 hours a week. And so we work this hard because we we have a moral imperative to work on issues, whether it be health disparities or other social justice issues. And so we feel like the sacrifice is well worth it, but it does cause us to be very intentional with how we spend time together and how we spend time with our children as well, because they're eight years old. My daughter's eight. My son just turned five. So we're very cognizant that this is a very formative time within their childhood. And honestly, we have an amazing village. And so we couldn't do this without the help of grandparents, friends, family who support us 100% and the things that we do. And then we also support each other. So when I decided to go back to business school at Darden, he was 100% on board with that. And the same thing when he decided to run for Congress. So I feel like it's a sacrifice that is well worth it. I think, you know, I'm biased, obviously, but I think that 
Cameron is the best person to run right now. There's tons of issues related to healthcare in America that need to be fixed. And he's a health policy expert. And he actually lives this every day, right, when he's taking care of patients. And then on the flip side, he's also an advocate. So there are a lot of racial and social justice issues and advocacy issues that need to be addressed right now, which he's been addressing for years. So in a way, he's almost the perfect candidate right now for the Democratic nomination. And I think if he voted in, he would do an amazing job in Congress. And as a family, we're 100% in for that. So it's been good. There's a lot of nervous energy right now in our house. And it's all me because he's at his campaign office and I happen to be home today. But we're excited. There's a lot of momentum surrounding the campaign. And we're really looking forward to tomorrow, which is June 23rd and beyond. Well, it sounds like y'all are built for this. So that's good to hear. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> um, before we go, I have a few other questions to give our listeners a bit of a sense of who you are beyond the work that you do. The first question is, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Dr. Hilton, we'll start with you. Wow. I guess the best advice I've ever been given was to make big things small and small things nothing. In this time of protest and pandemic, there's a lot going on. And we can oftentimes get distracted by things that don't serve a purpose. And so to really hone in as much energy as possible to saying, how can I concentrate these emotions of fear and anxiety and make that into a positive. So truly concentrate on works like the Staying Alive Flyer and the We're Going to Be Okay children's book and other initiatives that we're working on within the community engagement as far as outreach and testing to make those big things small and the small things nothing. Keep everything in perspective. And Dr. Webb, what about you? I 100% agree with that, and I love that, Ebony, Dr. Hilton. I'll give you your proper respect over the podcast. Obviously, (laughs) our friends as well. For me, it's to take care of myself first. So someone said this a long time ago, long before I was married, long before I had children or before I was a professional even, and that was just to take care of yourself first because if I can't take care of myself, then I can't function well and I can't do the other things that I need to do, which now is help take care of my husband, keep the house afloat, take care of the children, have a job in all of the other different roles that I have that I play in life. And of course, my husband is, I see him more as a, a partner than truly taking care of him. But I can't do any of those things if I'm not taking care of myself first. And so I've learned to do that, do the work, even though I'm busy in terms of, for me, that looks like exercising, reading, interacting with friends, being connected with family. I have a therapist that I go to regularly, even if I feel like nothing is wrong. So just maintaining that sense of well-being for myself has been very important in our very busy lives. And some of the best advice that I got when I was, I don't know, probably early 20s. Well, self-care is important to maintaining a healthy existence and an equilibrium in life. So that's good advice. Next, and this is an entirely imaginary premise, but in the hypothetical scenario that years from now, you could anticipate your great getting up morning. What would your last meal be? Dr. Webb, we'll start with you. Oh, this is a good question. I think for me, it would be something on the grill. And because I'm, my daughter is a vegetarian, she's eight years old, and she's been a vegetarian for a year and a half or so, and she's been trying to push us into that. And I kind of want, like, I've been dipping my toes in it, but still eat meat. I think I would have, like, a nice grilled meal with family and friends, and that would probably include some type of vegetarian burger, a side of corn, maybe street corn or Mexican corn, and some other nice sides. What else, Ebony? Help me out here, like a nice little salad <laughs> and a lemonade, maybe you glass know, of wine. Well, she's, Dr. Hilton has to pick her own last meal, so. Yeah, <laughs> right. They're, right. The ones are much healthier than me. 
immediately in my mind, I had an avocado pop up and then a donut. And I'm not sure which order <laughs> I would eat. I would eat those two. But the, but the, the question is, which what type of donut? That's the key right. question. First of all, if you're from the South, of which I am, okay, there's only one type of donut. All these Dunkin' Donut people, I don't understand those types of people. I don't understand these. You have to have Krispy Kreme, basically just sugar, deep fried, and um, and put sugar on top of that. And that's what we do where I'm from. Um, and that would definitely be the way I would end my meal and probably begin my meal because I like consistency. You can make a sandwich out of the donuts. You could put some avocado and some, you can make like avocado toast with the Krispy Kreme donuts or something. Right. Why why not? Why not? I don't (laughs) see a problem with that. Let's add a donut too. Let's add a donut to the grilled meal. That would be just fine by me. Okay. Then I can go to your meal too. I'll sit there with you. (laughs) All right. And then finally, to close things out, if you were stranded on a deserted island, what one book, one album, and one movie would you take with you to keep yourself company? We will spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice. So other than that, what are your three entertainment survival kit picks? And Dr. Hilton, please take us away. Oh, oh my goodness. Now, this is tough. So I would say the one book, When Breast Becomes There. That book really resonated with me when I read it, and I won't spoil it for anyone. But when breast becomes air, is it makes you appreciate life in a different way, especially from a medical perspective. The one movie that I would choose, oh, um, this one might be tough, but actually this is weird because it's a relatively recent movie that I fell in love with it. What was it with Lady Gaga and Bradley? Why am I forgetting? A Star is Born. I don't know why I really love that movie, and people are going to probably think I'm weird now. But that movie... And then what was the last? Was it a song? Album. Album. Well, multiple albums. Everyone knows. If you know me, you know that anything Beyonce cannot go wrong. I can't choose between which of those albums I would take. But anything, yeah, Beyonce some, some kind of, Some kind of greatest hits compilation. And are you, That's are the you way to go. early career Beyonce or later career Beyonce? I am from the very beginning. Okay. So I've been Just in, in, the bee, in the beehive the whole time. Completely in the pit. This is completely off subject. But a couple of my friends, um, we all went to med school and residency together and pretty much are complete fans. So anyway, the last time we went to a concert... We actually ended up in the pit with the Obamas. So I kind of feel like, you know, that automatically made me a cousin to the Obamas <laughs> and to Beyonce at the same time. But that's just neither here nor there. All in the family. <laughs> but yeah, okay. all in the family. And then, Dr. Webb, your three picks, please. For the book, definitely When Breath Becomes Air is one of my favorites. So Evan totally stole that. I do also really love Beyonce. I'm early and current. Also love her daughter when she appears on the track. But I really like listening to mixes now, like DJ mixes mm-hmm. with different music. That's kind of what I listen to mostly. And then I pick and choose the songs that I wanted to pick and choose through Apple Music. But I also really like John Coltrane just while I'm driving, mm-hmm. relaxing at home or what have you. And so that's a little bit older school, but of course the class. Coltrane then, is a master. Um, yeah, yeah.
And then for, what was the last one? Movies? Yes, ma'am. The Sound of Music. Okay, The Hills Are Alive. Yes, yes, The Hills Are Alive with The Sound of Music, and I'm trying to get my kids really into The Sound of Music right now. They actually had a really great play up at Wintergreen a few months ago now of The Sound of Music, and it was just like my dream come true because it really felt like I was like in the hills. Anyway, that was wonderful, and that's my favorite movie of all time. To stay and taste my first champagne. Yes? No. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you both sharing those picks with us. And with that, that is going to bring us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so that you know when new episodes are available. And thanks again to our guests, Dr. Leanne Webb and Dr. Ebony Jade Hilton for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.